Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky. Join with Johnny again. Johnny, how are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Very excited for this uh, top 30 countdown. I see a lot of my favorite players on this list. Top 30, mate. Here we go. Let's get right into it. Number 30, Ryan Hoffman. 200, uh, 325 NRL games, 72 NRL tries, 14 games for New South Wales, six for Australia, and three premierships. So with Ryan Hoffman, similar to Boyd Cordner, another edge front rower that loves to run a good line, loves to hide his halfback in defense, just an all-round second rounder. And to me, probably, we talk about Brent Kite being the most underrated prop forward. Ryan Hoffman has a chance for most underrated second front row forward. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of second row forwards on this list, but yeah, uh, Ryan Hoffman was one of my favorite, especially for New South Wales and um, three premierships with the Storm as well. He was um, yeah pillar of consistency. Yeah, he did such a fundamental job. You know, in defense, it was always protect the halfback, make the tackles, don't let the don't let your center be left on an edge. Try and help him and cover him in attack. It was always make sure you're running good lines, make sure you know you're committing to those. With Melbourne especially, make sure you're really committing to the line even when you're not getting the ball so Slater has a bit more room outside the back. He was just really good at it and I think he's a lot better attacking than defensive. But even when he went to the Origin Arena, as we like to say throughout this pod- these podcasts, got better in the Origin Arena, got better in the Test Arena. So Ryan Hoffman is the epitome. He went to the Warriors and had a couple of good seasons at the Warriors. One of those players that actually did you know, work for the paycheck and really put, it, put in a shift. Um, but yeah, anytime you think of Ryan Hoffman, you think either in a Storm jersey or a Blues jersey, and he was just outstanding. Yeah, 100%. Number 29, Sam Thiday, 304 in Aero games, 29 games for New South Wales, 34 for Australia, one premiership, two times second row of the year. To me, Sam Thiday is the epitome of get better in rep colours. As we'd all laugh now with Dan Gagai having the Maroon jersey under the Rabbits or the Knights jersey. Sam Thiday would go to the Origin Arena and become Arthur Beats and become the best forward to ever play the game. What what he did for Queensland, how many man and match performances, when he put in an Australian, 34 games for Australia, it's outstanding and obviously got the premiership, two-time front row of the year. The only reason why he's not higher for me is in club land, there wasn't enough times so that he won the game. Um, he was still very instrumental to all those great Brisbane sides. Um, obviously got the captaincy late in the career as well, but being number 29 is nothing to sneeze at. Don't get me wrong. There's just some great players ahead of him, but Sam Thiday, just the epitome of professionalism and especially getting better in the, in the origin and a test arena. Yeah, hundred percent. When I think of Sam Thiday and my memories of him, I definitely think of him in that Maroons jersey terrorizing us as a new stuff Russian, but also in the um, in the Kangaroos jersey, what was that? Thirty four Australian rep games. That's a that's an incredible amount. Yeah, whether the pot was parked on an edge, whether he had to go into the front row rotation, he could do both of those things, which we've seen a couple of those players in this list do. But he did it fantastically, and another one of those guys that if there was a couple more premierships, um, where where would he finish up? How how much higher would he be? Um, the crew that he's had nothing to sneeze at again. Probably a little bit, a couple of seasons too long, which probably do dent him a little bit compared to some of the guys that we have in this list that finished either right at the prime time or um, right on it. So, yeah, two guys so far, Sam Thiday, Ryan Hoffman, 
put those on either edge of your team, then you'll be out and you'll be in outstanding shape. But we'll go to number 28. It's the first half of this podcast is James Jimmy Maloney, 247 NRL games, 1,825 NRL points, 14 games for New South Wales, three for Australia, two premierships with two different clubs, and one time 5-8 of the year. So with Jimmy, um, he was one of those guys, obviously went to three grand finals with three different teams, took the Warriors to the grand final, couldn't win it, did win it with the Sharks and the Roosters, but if James Maloney was in your team, your team was in good hands. He was, in terms of a field general and a game manager, there probably isn't many better than Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy was a winner. And um, whether it was for New South Wales, uh, for Clubland, he he just, he was clutch and he always seemed to, uh, yeah, like you said, he was a general on the field. He just wanted to ball on his hands. And um, yeah, he was yeah, a big moments player. Yeah, literally had it all. Could kick goals, could kick a field goal, could run with the ball really well. General play kicking was there, passing was there. He was just all around beautiful. And another guy that you think about earlier that we just spoke about, Brett Kamali. Imagine having an, a halves tandem of Maloney and Kamali. That's pretty outstanding compared to some of the guys we'll have further up the list. But with Jimmy especially, one of those guys, again, that didn't stay too long. Um, pretty much left right on. You know, a lot of people still thought, and even now when clubs are got, having some crisis in their halves, it's always, can they give Jimmy Maloney an SOS? But I, I love the way it was finished because you got to think 100%. basically. Yeah, when, when, yeah. He, when he wrapped it up, um, every, every club he went to, uh, he had success. Uh, he has the individual accolades. He has the premierships. There's really no need to go. And um, one, one of the most fun players off the field as well, obviously, the barbecuing alone, all the segments that he had. Um, all the interviews he had, but yeah, on the field, um, very deserving of being a top 30 player, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, honestly, I love the way he wrapped up his career. I mean, I think I would do the same. Uh, you know, he he had he had done it all in the NRL. He still had a few seasons in, a, in the NRL if he wanted to, but he packed up, went to the South of France and cashed in the paycheck. I mean, he's, yeah, great, great way to finish his career. Living the dream, but we'll finish... Uh, the club level. So we're about to finish the third tier on the last player here. And this is the guy I was talking about that if the premiership rule wasn't in my list, he'd be a lot higher. It's Nathan Highmarsh, 330 NRL games, 17 games for New South Wales, 22 for Australia, and a five-time second row of the year. And that was five years in a row. So there was basically half a decade that the NRL said that this player is the best player in his position, which has not happened only once. And we'll, obviously he's much further up the list, but with Hindy, um, again, 01 Parramatta, 05 Parramatta, 09 Parramatta. They're the three real chances that they had. They went 0 for 3 in those appearances. Um, and yeah, if he has one premiership, he's easily top 10. He's maybe pushing top five. Early in the, I think a lot of people think of Hindy late career just flops on the tackles but really from 2000 to 2005 there wasn't a better attacking edge front roller he was in that very short list um still had the defensive workhorse um one of those guys that probably stayed on a season maybe too long but there wasn't like he played nearly all these 330 games with effort with heart he was a hard and soul of Parramatta uh but unfortunately the elusive premiership gets him yeah um one of my favorite players during that sort of 2000s period you know it's a shame he was with Parramatta and couldn't get that premiership but um he he was just a tackling machine and you know you, 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 um 
there are those jokes about him, about him being the flop, but um, he really did tackle his heart out for, you know, 15 seasons with Parramatta. And, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he got, you know, five times um, second front row forward of the year because, uh, yeah, when I think of second front rowers and the work he did, um, you know, I'd love to have him on my super coach team right now. Yeah, and I think the thing that also is in his favour, you think of those, uh, so obviously 17 games for New South Wales and 22 for Australia. In those teams, it was basically with the selectors, it was Joey, Bedsy, Mini, and Hein Marshall, I think was probably yeah. the fourth player in the list. He was always penciled in. You could don't matter, don't matter what the makeup of that four pack is, you know what number eleven is. Number eleven is Hein Marsh. So I think that's the biggest compliment you can give to someone. But we're out of the club level nom, so we're we're up to the second last level here. So now we're in the penthouse, and essentially again, title on entry is needed. So that's why Hein uh, Marsh has been left out. That's why Hain has been left out here. But we're up to the final twenty six. And the first guy to be in the penthouse is Mark Gaznia. 174 NRL games, 92 NRL tries, 12 games for New South Wales, 15 for Australia, one premiership and two-time centre of the year. And I think just, you know, again, under 200 games, are you talking about peak in terms of, you know, he, Mark Gaznia's peak was only, in my opinion, three years, 04 to 06 but there wasn't a center that could touch him in the world. He was just, his ability to get on the outside shoulder, he had he had the Mackie Lee flick pass, he had the Matt Cooper defensive. He wasn't a defensive liability. He wasn't as good as Matt, but he was just as good. He just had everything. And another one of these guys that left for greener pastures, what could have been if he stayed a little bit longer? But Mark Gaznia to me is when you're trying to build your sides on top NRL error, you can't have a center discussion without talking about Mark Gaznia. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mark Gazdo, who's probably, yeah, the most complete center um, that I can remember. You know, when you're thinking of the, the I guess, you know, the great sides in this you know, NRL era, I mean, Mark Gazdo, he was just um, in, in, a, in a world of his own when it comes to um, that center position. He pretty much had real estate on that. Yeah, and again, one of those guys that... Um... He, he, what, a, what a couple more premierships could have done if one of those 04 to 06 dragon sides got over the line, uh, what, what that could have done for the for the resume. But yeah, New South Wales in Australia, he was always, you know, in in the mix there to get a rep jersey. Um, it's just short. It's too short. I, I wish that he was around that 250 mark. I wish that um, yeah. he had another, another premiership run in him because, you know, then we're talking he's, you know, 20 and 20 New South Wales in Australia. Now we're talking about all of a sudden he's nearly 130 tries, all these different things for Gaznia, and it's still number, it's still good enough for number 26 on the list. You know, some of the guys that could have you know been in his places, you know, could uh, Darius Boyd or a Brett Stewart be you know similar range to him. But I just think Gaznia for those three years you couldn't touch him. And again, I think a pretty big factor at the end of these podcasts is when we go back and do our best of sides, you can't have a center discussion without him. So that's why. I've got him there, but we'll move to number 25. It's Sam Burgess, 182 NRL games, 26 games for England, one premiership, one Clive Churchill. We all know about that performance in the 14 grand final and one time lock of the year. So with Sam Burgess, to me, probably we're talking about peak again, and it's a three-year peak from 12 to 14. There wasn't a more influential forward in the game, maybe even of the NRL era than Sam Burgess. 
his go forward and his leadership for those rabbit sides just catapulted them to the next level. And I don't think they win their premiership in 14 without Sam Burgess. They obviously had Adam Reynolds, they had Greenglass firing. Sam Burgess was the driving force behind those sides. Yeah, that's right. Um, he's another player who, I guess, he's no surprise he got the Clive Churchill. But yeah, that 2014 um, effort from him. And um, yeah, I just remember all this hype around him when, you know, this English kid came over to play in, in um, you know, in the NRL. And that hype was obviously um, um, really worth it because, you know, you, you saw what he did. And, uh, you know, in that Rabbitohs jersey, he, yeah, pretty much... Um, yeah, he, car- he carried them to that premiership and, um, yeah, he, his effort would just pretty much go down in, in NRL folklore, wouldn't it? Yeah, and ex- exactly right. And with Sam Burgess, a couple of things obviously uh, came over. Not He wasn't old when he came over, but wished them probably a couple more seasons prior. And then at the end, had the injuries. Um, so another guy that has been cut down and could have easily got around that 250 game mark. But, yeah, played nine seasons overall. There's a couple of injury effective ones, but yeah, that three-year peak again, if you're talking about give me uh, your 8, 10, or 13 in an or NRL era side, you can't have the discussion. I think that's what the great thing about these 26 guys. If you have to fill out a team of 17 for your top NRL era, I think all these 26 guys need to be in the discussion at least because you can't really tell the story of the number one jersey or the number three jersey or the number 13 jersey without these guys. And I think Sam Burgess is a classic example of he was good enough to play lock. He was good enough to play eight or 10. You could have even stuck him on an edge early in his career and he'd do a job there for you. So I think just pinnacle of what a 2010s front rower morphed into. We talked about a lot of meat and potatoes guys in this list, but then you've got the evolution of, you know, a mix between, you know, if we think about today's game, a mix between a Kerr Murray and a Radley with also a Payne Haas, and you know some of the and some of the front row forwards we have, he has a he was a perfect blend that you wanted. So um, more than deserving of being number twenty five. But number twenty four is another current player. It's Jason Tomalolo, two hundred and eleven NRL games, twenty two games for New Zealand and Tonga, one Daliam, one Premiership, and a three time Lock of the Year. So JT is getting to that dangerous area now. Where how does the end of the career? hamper the legacy because obviously we all know what happened last year with the broken hands and the misplacement of where he was on the park trying to go second row lock prop but what he's done so far in his 211 NRL games I don't think we've seen from uh, lock forward you know there's always been a lot of great lock forwards um, you think of like a Brad Clyde and stuff early prior to the NRL era but even now um, what he what his go forward gives a team um, the ability to just to say, here's the ball, run it 22 times for 280 metres and get us going here. Um, we haven't seen anything like it. And, you know, for a forward to win a Dahlia medal like he did, um, I don't think we'll see it again, the way that the voting is all run and, you know, the three two one system in currently in place. It's basically impossible for a forward to get it. Um, except for what a season like Jason Tom Waller gives you where he just literally runs it over. And right now he's contracted for another six years, Nom. So there's a chance he can go up. There's a chance he can go down because it's not all about just getting the accolades and just resting on it and having six shit seasons. Um, he's got to keep going here. But what, what have you seen so far from, from Lolo? Um, and do, do you think he warrants being this high or do you think uh, 
it should be a little bit lower or it will play itself out over this rest of the contract. Yeah, look, I think he he definitely does deserve his place on this list. You have him on 24th of the top 100 um, NRL, NRL games because I guess when you think of him, he he's just been such a wrecking ball for this, you know, probably not the last two seasons, but then his peak from, you know, 2014 to 2019, he was just this indestructible force where he was big but also had this combination of being so agile with that footwork. Um, you know, it's a shame that I guess, well, I guess it depends on how you look at it, but how rule changes have brought him a bit, I guess, out of the um, the game. Uh, you mentioned it there. He's still so young. I think he's only, what, he's 28 or so, and he's still got six seasons left on this million-dollar contract. Uh, it's interesting to see how he, the rest of his career unfold, whether he'll slip down this list um, because of the new rule changes and taking out the big guys. Um, yeah, I guess watch his space. Well, I'm interested, Norm. Let, let's let's do the game of I play your career ten times. Do you think this is one of the best ten versions that we've got? You know, is the Cowboys the right team for him? Was there too much workload early in the career? Should he have more stuff than he has? Because to me, it's it's a weird one, right? Like you, you want a Dalian, which is probably going to be best case, right? It's one of the best. But then, yeah, only be he's played twelve seasons. Only three times he was lock of the year. So that 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 surprised me a little bit. Like the the peak when I kind of went through it to see what his peak was really it's only half his seasons he's played 12 I'd say 14 to 19 like you said was his peak seasons I just feel like there was just a I feel like they, they it's obviously the, the story's not written so there could still be a little late career surge here and whether it's at the Cowboys or whether he gets shipped to another club and he you know has a lesser role there but able to impact more short term um I just think that it's gonna go one way or another I, I don't I don't see him staying at 24. I could see him easily, you know, trying to get that top 15. But I could see him even maybe dropping out it past the uh, the top 30 here. It's all to play for for the low low. Yeah, look, it's going to be a brave man to um, write off Lolo. I mean, he's just done so much in the game. And, you know, um, it, it will be up to him to, I guess, reinvent himself, obviously, with, um, with the new coach up there. 100%. Number 23, Justin Hodges. So we just spoke about Mark Gaznia being one of the most complete centers in the game. Here's the other one. So 251 NRL games for Hodjo, uh, 15 seasons, seven peak, 99 NRL tries, 24 games for Queensland, 14 for Australia, one premiership and one time center of the year. We always talk about what's your greatest memory or what's their greatest skill that you can remember. To me, it's always him just grabbing the ball from dummy half and running 15 meters. There's been literally no one better at it. And I'm surprised that more guys just don't watch how he does it and tries to copy it because literally when you have your great defensive set and you're pinning them down in the, you know, 25, 30 out from their line, and all of a sudden Hodges runs in a dummy half, you get worried because you know what's coming. What he did early in his career where he obviously had the ACL injury with the Roosters, went up to the Broncos and from there just became a mainstay of the Broncos, the Queensland and the Australian side. To me, really does rival Mark Gaznia in terms of who you want to have as your starting center. Um, both fantastic players, but to me, I give the edge to Hodge over just because I had a longer peak. And I think in those big games, just was able to bring, he was able to go and get the game. Whereas Gazzy sometimes had to get the game brought to him. Hodge can bring the game anywhere on the park. Yeah. Hodge was a, um... I guess, you know, obviously a great attacking threat, but yeah, what I do remember him about him is that scoot. Like, I don't know how he did it, but even coming out of his own hand, he always managed to sneak that 10 to 15 minutes from dummy half, 
which was which was incredible and invaluable, I guess, you know, for your big forwards coming out of, um, uh, especially when, when it's late in the game. Yeah, defensively, what wasn't a turnstile, wasn't obviously a, a showstopper. But yeah, what, what he did when he was on the park, wasn't really a guy that could set up his, I wouldn't say that setting up the winger was one of his main priorities, but he was fantastic. Uh, you know, you think early in the career, he always had a bit more speed. He didn't really rely on his footwork as much. It was more just kind of the pace. But once the ACL went, some of the speed went, and he really had to kind of focus himself on trying to beat his man and be smart with it. Um, his IQ was just through the roof. And that's why I've got him so high, just because, again, you can't have a discussion of top NRL era without him as a, one of the centers, possibly. Uh, and, yeah, through club, through rep, he was just one of those guys that, adapted to the game even when the game started to speed up he started to get a bit slower he was still able to be effective um which is exactly what you need but we've got two more guys in this list Norm. two very interesting guys so another uh guy who's running right now and i'm just going to quickly check this uh he is the last active player on the list so james Sedesco, number 22 so with teddy he's obviously got here 180 nrl games he's had 10 seasons so far 97 NRL tries, 16 games for New South Wales, four for Australia, one Dalliem, two premierships, two-time fullback of the year, and a one-time Wally Lewis medalist. So with Teddy, obviously, he's still got a lot of footy to go. But what he's done so far, you've got to think, before I throw it to you, Nom, when he was a Tigers junior and had those couple of injuries, I keep thinking back to that. I think it was a dislocated or cracked knee. It was a cracked kneecap. Um, and... You know, there was all the talk about his his running style was terrible and he's always going to get injured. That he had one good season at the Tigers then when he went to the Roosters. And basically, I've got his peak down here from 2018 to now. Um, there hasn't been a better player in the game. And there's been a lot of turbo love this year and clear something a lot of buzz. James Tedesco is still the best player in the world, in my opinion. And he's only going to keep building on this. He's still so young, only 180 NRL games. He'll easily crack 300 if he wants to. He can easily go top 10. Um, he's the only guy right now in the league that I think can get to the top 10. Um, obviously, we've got some real young guys in the league that will eventually work their way up. I think Cleary is obviously the other one. But right now, in terms of tenured guys who are on the list, there's no doubt you've got to think right now. He's got the two premierships. Got, if he can get one more Dallium, another premiership, a couple more fullback of the years, all of a sudden now we're talking, let's get him to 280 games. We'll give him another 100 games. In those 100 games, let's give him another 50 tries. Now he's at 150 tries. Those games for New South Wales and Australia will rock it. He's just, it's such an underrated case. And I think a lot of people will hear James Sesco at number 22 and just think that's recency bias. But look at the resume, look at the stats, look at the way he plays the game and tell me that I'm wrong. Yeah, 100%. In fact, I'm surprised he's not already higher because I can definitely you know, see him um, creeping up, you know, as... The next seasons unfold. You're looking at, at this Roosters team, which you know is Robbo led, and the way they've they've got that sombrero going, they always seem to get good players wanting to come to their club. Um, I can definitely see um, Teddy cracking that that top ten um, by the end of his career. Yeah, like I won't spoil some of the names, but obviously we, we know who some of them are, like a GI and a Slater. I think are his two that he's chasing, um, and they're obviously um, way up on the list here. But what he's done, and again we kind of have to look through and as we go higher in the list here, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the guys further in the list didn't have the real big injury risk at the start of the career, didn't have the nagging injuries. Whereas, you know, there was real doubt that Teddy was ever going to turn into something and what a shame it would have been if we missed it. But basically, like I said, from 2018 to now, there hasn't been a better player in the game. 
the way he's able to influence a game, you know, he hasn't got the strongest passing game, uh, which is surprising, right? You think of Teddy as the as the best fullback in the world, best player in the world. Hasn't really got a general play kick. Uh, can't goal kick as we saw last year. Um, <laughs> with the hands on the ball, he can slice through and, you know, pass it off fairly easy, but he's not going to create an overlap just by his pass most times. Um, the way he's been able to do it, his little runs, his offloads, his support play, his leadership on the park. He's obviously the Roosters' captain now, so he's going to start getting maybe some captains on us soon. I just think he's the all-round player. And again, I'm going to be really excited in a couple of years to kind of look back at this because I think there's a real chance he can catch English, catch Slater, just on the resume itself. And, you know, you're talking about stylistic play, how they change the game. The resume is going to get too much to ignore James Tedesco. Yeah, 100%. Last guy in this podcast, Nom, it's the guy who just misses out on the 20s. It's Ben Kennedy, 162 NRL games, nine seasons, five peak, 13 games for New South Wales, 15 for Australia, one premiership, two-time lock of the year, one-time captain of the year. So with BK, the resume obviously isn't as big as some of the guys we're about to talk to, even as some of the, that we've already spoken about. But I think if you talk about on-field leadership and a guy who just gives his all and puts teams in a position to win, there isn't many better than Ben Kennedy. You obviously think of Newcastle, he won the premiership in 01. But then when he went to Manly um, in 2005 and had that great season there, I think he's just one of those winners. He's one of those leaders that every club would love to have. You'd hate to play against Ben Kennedy. You'd love to have him with him because to me, he's just the epitome of a winner. And he just, one of the guys, there's no shortcuts. It's all hard work. It's all work ethic. And it's trying to bring the best out in your teammates. Yeah, that's right. Um, he, yeah, I guess, you know, what he did, uh, obviously with Newcastle, but then he went on to, I guess, bring that sort of aggression and sort of, um, he's the guy you just want to be in team. You know, you look at him and you give him confidence that, you know, um, he's giving his 110% and, um yeah, having Ben Kenny of your team, uh, um, look, I, I can't really say say more about him. He, his leadership and what he brought to to a team was, um, yeah, he's deserved of his twenty uh, first place here. Yeah, and you know he he played a lot of a lot of football, right? And he was he was one of the guys that was able to be on the park a lot, which I think really does help him. Even late in his career, you kind of think of that 05-06 Manly. You know, he played 42 games over those two seasons, and that was like late in the career. He was still able to get that done. Um, early, you know, with the Raiders, um, nearly a try every two games. You know, he had a pretty good strike rate as a, as a young workhorse. But I kind of, you obviously picture BK in the in the Knights jerseys from 04, from 2000 to 2004. There were some very lucrative years for Newcastle, and obviously Joey and Bedsy are probably the first two you think about. Uh, but I think BK is right under there because well, he's working the front row able to gel Bill Peter, Matt Parsons, Steve Simpson, all those guys in the in the Newcastle front row was able to go. And I think it's a like, you know, if you go back and look at some of those games right now, I, you know, I love looking on the YouTube channel or in K on the on the classic matches. Anytime you look at Newcastle in the early 2000s, Ben Kennedy pops off the screen. There's two players that pop off the screen for me when you watch Newcastle. It's Joey and it's BK. Because what he does around the middle of the ruck, consistently able to get meters in defense, never I can't even remember a missed tackle from Ben Kennedy. And again, you're talking about my own personal experience. I remember I was there in the stadium for a Parramatta versus Manly game in 05 or 06. And I just remember Ben Kennedy absolutely wrecking us in the middle of the field and just sitting there going, this guy late in his career um, is doing these things. There's just the IQ, the intensity and the ethics there. And 
I think it's a perfect way to end the podcast. And I'm number 21, just missed out on the top 20. But uh, as you can see on the list there, number 20, who we'll talk about in the next podcast is uh, a bit of a raging bull, so to speak. So we'll leave it there. Nom, thanks for having on me, for coming on, mate. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to the next. No worries. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, and we'll hear from you soon. Cheers.